must arm our airmen to outthink, outperform, outpartner, outinnovate any potential adversary. Air Force Basic Military Training has an updated curriculum with a new focus on readiness and lethality. The first command, the Air Force starts here. Hey, hey, everybody, welcome in. Episode 33 of the pod today. Thanks for the subscribe, stream, or download, however you might be listening in. We're out there on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, on the AETC website. So no matter where you are, you can give us a listen. And of course, we appreciate you tuning in. I'm Dan Hawkins from the AETC Public Affairs Office and your host for this professional development podcast dedicated to bringing total force Big A Airmen, insight, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from the recruiting, training, and education world. On the pod today, we're diving into developmental special duties, specifically at the 37th training wing for military training instructors at Air Force Basic Military Training. And this is actually the first of two episodes. The next episode will deal with military training leaders and their experience at the 37th training wing. So kind of a two-part series here. And of course, everybody knows the 37th training wing, also known as the Gateway Wing, the first stop in the Air Force journey for a good chunk of our total force as the airmen culminate their time at basic military training in that march down the bomb run. At least they did in the non-COVID-19 era, of course, and we'll get back to that at some point. But the wing, uh, with a change in leadership recently, they welcomed Colonel Rocky Wilson as their new commander, and his mantra is the word train, T-R-A-I-N, which stands for Trust Our Resilient Airmen to Innovate and Nurture Warhawks train to win. And so Air Force basic military training in that environment of nurturing and innovating to make sure that we remain absolutely vital from a BMT perspective to renewing our air and space forces and underwriting the ability uh, of the Air Force to help defend the nation. And it's interesting because valuing force generation is a key line of effort for us as we strive to enhance lethality and readiness here in AETC. Chief Master Sergeant Eric Thompson, who is our new AETC Command Chief, in his first interview with us, talked specifically about ensuring the men and women who are doing the everyday business of recruiting, training, and educating exceptional airmen, uh, that that's very high on his to-do list. And so to dive deeper into what being a military training instructor is like in the world's greatest Air Force, we have a special pinch hitter on the interview today, Chief Master Sergeant Stephen Blazer. He's the command chief for the Gateway Wing, and he got the chance to sit down with some of his NCOs and senior NCOs in the wing to talk about their experiences in the military training instructor world as part of that developmental special duty experience. So these DSD assignments in particular, which are for staff, technical, and master sergeants, and and which by the way, MTI and MTL, which we'll talk about in the next episode, are just two of the 10 specialties that fall under the DSD program, provide huge opportunities for airmen to develop through service and roles outside of their core Air Force specialty for periods of up to three to four years, and to ensure that we get the highest quality airmen 
assigned to these positions, there's a nomination process, which ultimately provides commanders through their respective MAGCOMs an opportunity to nominate their best airmen to fill in these critical positions while providing a developmental career path for our leaders. So Chief Blazer talks with his MTIs about how quickly they learned that the roles that they were in were more important to the airmen they lead and to themselves, uh, more so than they probably ever really imagined, as well as how the DSD assignments as an MTI uh, has directly resulted in their personal leadership growth uh, and the mentorship lessons that they've learned along the way. So let's go direct to the authorities on life as military training instructors. Episode 33 of the Air Force starts here, takes off right now. Hey, afternoon, uh, everybody. Well, it depends on when you're tuning in. But uh, I just want to take this time to introduce some of my amazing teammates here in, uh, in Warhawk Nation. So I have to my left and right some of our military training instructors from the 737 Training Group, better known as Air Force, Air Force Basic Military Training. Uh, one thing I think it's important is we talk a lot about DSD and the developmental experience, but I want to get, have everybody out there get direct accounts of what it's like to be here, to lead here, and to be an NCO uh, making things happen here. And, and, and this happens to be I have senior NCOs in the house, and we'll talk about their experience. Did, did all of you come here as senior NCOs? No, sir. Okay, all right, so, so we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, but, but I want to just, if you go ahead and uh, if you could just introduce yourself, ma'am, uh, where you're from, hometown, if you have family here with you, and uh, favorite food. I'm Master Sergeant Otten, and I'm from Mobile, Alabama. I'm here with my husband and my two kids. They're 10 and 6. And my favorite food, I'm going to have to go with pizza. Pizza. Safe one. Safe one. Awesome. Hello, good afternoon, everybody. I am uh, Matt Sambahera. I'm originally from uh, Bosnia, Herzegovina. I also grew up in Colorado as well. Or Colorado, right outside of Buffalo Air Force Base. I work at MTIS. I have family here. Me and my significant other hang out a little bit. And uh, I've been in BMT for about three and a half years now. And my favorite food is chicken wings. Chicken wings. Is it like a certain spot here in San Antonio? Just chicken wings. Chicken okay. wings. Don't discriminate. <laughs> come on, come on. Okay. All right. Awesome. So, Mr. I'm Matt Sergeant Mitchell, I'm from the 320 Training Squadron, and I'm here with my wife and twin boys who are four years old, and I'm originally from Wayland, Michigan, a little small town, a little south of Grand Rapids, and my favorite food is, I mean, pizza and chicken wings are great, so we'll go with cheeseburgers, just change it up. Okay, okay. Uh, my name is Master Sergeant Marcus Thompson, I'm originally from Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, I'm here at, uh, at Lapland with my wife, who's also a, a military training instructor. I've been here since June of 2017. Um, I have a dog, and my favorite food is legitimately pizza. I love pizza. Yeah, yeah you can't go wrong. Yeah, that, that, you can go wrong. Well, yeah. You can go wrong. Well, you can. Kind of <laughs> but but the odds are it, it, it's, it's still somewhat safe. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like chicken wings, there's a you mess those up. Man. Yeah, it's got to have a good amount of meat. But anyway. So yeah, you guys are a power couple, no doubt. I think in my first month here, I had a chance to meet you both, um, just in different settings. So, uh, so yeah, we'll talk about that. Anybody else mill to mill? Yes, sir. You are as well. Okay. So we'll talk about maybe the demands of, of what it's like here, you know, and serving both at the same time. Okay. So first question I have for you is, what what was it in terms of what you thought it was going to be like being a military training instructor before you got here, and what the reality is as far as the demands, um, and maybe just some rumors you'd heard versus what the facts are. I'll go first. I um, heard through other people that have been MTIs before 
if we had that 10 hour cap. So I, in my mind, I was like, all right, well, it'll be easy. I can manage the 10 hours. But what happens is, I know at least with me, I became so invested in the job that the 10 hours eventually turned into maybe 12. And then I'm, now I'm towing the line. And of course, um, it was hard on my family, so I had to kind of reel back on it. But it was a, an eye opener as to just how quick the time goes during the day and how caught up you can get in the job. Um, to be honest, I didn't I didn't want to come down here, Chief. Um, I didn't I, I didn't ask my, my wife and I. We didn't ask to be MTIs, uh, but we also knew that you know we worked for the Air Force, so this is what we had to do. So we took it with a positive attitude. But as far as was that like one of those su surprise notification emails? No, it was not. No, no, our, okay. no, our chief at the time is a uh, he's retired now, Chief Master Sergeant uh, Mark Montreux. He sat us down and he gave us you know the talk and told us, hey, I put you down. I know it wasn't on your original list, but this is what this is what I'm going to do. And he gave us the opportunity to pretty much tell him, yes, this is what we want to do. Because um, he, he saw that potential. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I was nervous. My wife was nervous as well. Uh, but being as far as coming down here, I knew it was going to be first things first. It's going to be hot. It was going to be hot, and there was going to be uh, a grind as far as not knowing what the job was and being security forces for 13 years and going to do a new job that you have. You're new. You're brand new. You might as well be an you know an airman arriving to their first duty station. Um, but I think that anybody who comes down here, they have to have a positive attitude and a positive outlook. And I think that that's what helped my wife and I, um, I guess, excel uh, at, at the job. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it just from both of you, you both have that attitude no matter what. Like, that's just what you bring to the table. You get both part of the defendination, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, right? yes. Okay. With a lot of pride. Yes, sir. Yeah, big time. Okay. Anything to add on that? I didn't want to come down here either. I was already here because I was at Lapland. So it was just a PCA for me, it wasn't really a PCS. So I uh, I wanted to leave Lackland and I was hoping to get some orders because I was already here for four years. I ended up getting orders just across the street. So instead of going left, I just don't go right at the gate. But the one thing I did learn in this job is that this job is very rewarding and I'm very glad I got a chance to come down here. I told my chief, uh, Chief Chapman at the time, she's retired now, when she DSD'd me, she was like, call me in a year. You're either gonna call me and you're gonna you want to give me the kudos that I deserve or you're going to call me and you're going to really tell me how you feel. So it just happened to be a year later at her retirement ceremony. I went and I told her, I thanked her. I was like, man, thanks for the opportunity to let me come down here. Because it has definitely helped me grow, not only as an NCO, not a senior NCO, but also as a leader. I have better people skills. I have better, I'm a better weak man because of this job. Just a better overall airman because of this job that I've been doing. Yeah. How cool is that? So both of you are saying both people invented you were chiefs who are now retired, right? Yes. You know, and I, I think that's exactly how we want to be able to get the right work, where we have leaders out there who see different potential in someone who they didn't see them themselves. You know, because I, I got it. Like, as airmen, we have pride in our operational communities. There's not very many times, like, where if you're, if you're job of the mission every day and you have those teams, especially you've been given as an NCO for many years, you don't really want to come off the line. You don't want to come off the battlefield a lot, right? But you understand how crucial it is down here to also have operationally minded and focused Airmen down here building the next generation too, right? Um, so, sorry, Mitchell, anything you want to add on that? So, very similar situation. Retired chief who I was like, hey, I want to go for DSD, and I hear my couple thoughts, and he kind of gave me that old school, uh, no, if you're going to do it, you're going to go all the way, you'd be the MTI. I was kind of thrown back by it, so I remember our MTIs working those 18-hour days, the bed being in the in the flight office, all this, that, and the other. I was like, I don't think I can do it with my family got online, did a little more research and saw that it was much more family oriented, the 10 uh, hour, 
what definitely twelve hour cap and things like that. But yeah, yeah I look back and, and thank my chief for, for putting me up for it because like Sergeant Beharic said, definitely enhanced my my leadership capabilities being down here. Yeah, I thank him all too, big time. I mean, I I, I tell you what, it, it, you know, COVID has been a big demand on all of us, and, and and I've said over and over again, you know, we we recruit for talent, but this situation has tested talent. Right, and, I, and when I go around and I just see the different dynamics, and, and you know, every single week we kind of got a new challenge, a new evolution. Um, but it's because of, of you and the trust we have in you um, that we are, we're, we're, we are where we are today. So I thank those chiefs as well. Okay, so we thought about being developmental. Um, how have you grown as leaders, NCOs, or what have you learned kind of about a bigger perspective of the Air Force since being down here? I'll, I'll say uh, the, uh, the de deliberate development courses that we go through. Uh, I, was, I, I didn't know how to necessarily take those. Um, and when I went to my first one, I was still fresh and, and you know, getting my hat and finishing MTIS. And I'll be honest, I had a, a mindset of, oh, I, I mean, what can, what can they teach me about leadership? I just came from security courses. I was doing X, Y, and Z. Like, like I, I'm already a pretty good NCO. Exactly, yeah. exactly, but I had to, uh, I need, I need to take a step back and take a look in the mirror and say, no, you, no, you don't. You can, uh, the, the book that they give us said, um, that's about, it talks about leadership and, and, and growth. And it talks about that anybody who thinks that they are done growing, they, they will be stuck in that mindset. So um, not only did I, I take that feedback from the reading, but I also took it from the, the senior NCOs, some of which I had been in the military long enough that I ranked me at the time and I learned from them uh, not just from being MTIs, but just from being, uh, just from being, having the experience of being down in BMT. I would say as far as development, when we think back to like ALS, like all those weird conversations they make you have about the kid who doesn't shower, the person, the suicidal person, that you will have every single one of those conversations as an MTI. You're going to get people from all different walks of life who just don't want to be here, they came for the wrong reasons, this, that, and the other. Some say they're suicidal for this reason, some just are uncomfortable showering in front of people, and you just learn to grow as a leader. Now, any conversation that any of my airmen are going to have when I go back, I've already had it. I have a hard time thinking I won't have a problem with one of those conversations when I go back, just because now I've had all those conversations. Yeah, I think that is such an amazing point you bring up, and that's really what we, in the whole portfolio of DSD, what we're, what we're trying to do here, and I, and I you know, as, as chiefs, we, we always try to listen to the concerns of airmen. One thing particularly, you know, just calling it as it is, is, hey, if, if I'm already one of the best of the best in my operational communities, and you bring me in here with a bunch of other people like this, hey, I'm probably not gonna get promoted as fast, right? Like, that's just a real thing that comes up, right? You know, but the thing is, is what we're, what we're trying to do as an Air Force is play the long game. You know, and, 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 and I will tell you, that I, I, I wholeheartedly believe in iron sharpens iron. So if, you, if, you, if you're great, you have to be around other people to continue to push you, to continue to grow, to be the best you could possibly be in your potential. But the point I'm saying is I've met mass sergeants who've never supervised a single person, right? And a lot of times we talk about supervision as I rate on you. I figure out where I'm gonna put these squares. I figure out what bullets I'm gonna write. When I talk about supervised, I'm talking about like number of people that I interact with that I have to make crucial decisions on, on how to teach, coach, and mentor them to motivate them to a goal. Everybody, to, you all have probably supervised more people than I have as a Comanche in your jobs here. If you think about it, and all like the experiences, the people that come from all different walks of life, 
and how how great of a senior NCO will you now be? How how better will you be as chiefs from this opportunity? That's what we're betting on, right? That you'll be more prepared, being ready to lead, because you can't when when that situation comes out in an operational air force. You really don't want to be starting from a, from a position with no experience. You want to have some things that you can relate on to help you make the best decision possible. And that's really what a DSD, I think, is all about. Do you have anything to add? What you've learned here? One thing I've learned, and it's probably been the coolest part about this job for me, is the fact that I got a chance to work with all other, pretty much all other career fields in the United States Air Force. And then now we're all here in one place under one roof trying to accomplish the same mission. And then you kind of get to see how other people think how other career fields think, how other airmen think, and then you also, and everybody has your back. That's like the greatest thing about this job. No matter what you're, you're out for today, somebody needs somebody to watch your flight because you're not feeling well, or you have to drop off your kids here, or some family stuff is going on. I, me and Sam Mitchell were in the same squadron for a long time, and we relied on each other a lot, prepping for evals, and that's how I helped me out a lot. We just always, no matter what, no matter where we're at, if we're wearing a hat, we see each other, we're always fist bumping. It's nothing but just love. EMT is just all about love, about amongst other uh, instructors and stuff like that and other wingmen. I know disrespect to other DSD, but to my opinion, basic military training and being an A Bravo is the greatest uh, DSD that the Air Force has because you just impact people, hundreds and hundreds of people on a weekly basis. It's awesome. Sir, for me, I learned coming down here that just because you meet the standard, it's not always acceptable. You always have a set of eyes looking at you. And if you just go for like, I'll use an example, PT, I was not at all a strong runner. And we all know the run is 60% of the PT test. So I was just making it. And then I come down here and thinking I'm good to go. And it was real quick, like, no ma'am, if you have airmen looking at you, what are you gonna tell them? What are you telling your trainees? by just meeting the standard. So one thing I learned about myself is that it's okay to be uncomfortable for a while. I was definitely pushed to my limit a lot of days, but it, it overall made me a better person. So what I learned from it is just like meeting the standard is it's not always okay. Yes, we have that, that 75 on the PT test that we have to meet, but it's not something we should go for and just settle with. Yeah, because think about it, right, as a leader, that bar moves up, right? Like the Air Force might have a certain standard, but like you know when you're ever looking at you, and I, and I think like some people, some people don't like necessarily how direct uh, the people who are coming in are today. Um, there, there's there's a line where I do appreciate it, right? There's always a respectful way, but in terms of challenging us to not necessarily regress, and, and, and because at, at this level, senior NCO level, we're supposed to epitomize excellence, right? Like they're supposed to see that every single day. Um, and you're right. Like you gotta, you gotta be able to check that. That's 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 awesome to do though. Because I mean, you got you got home yourself too. In that whole process. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, my question then next would be, how is this how is this duty actually made you a better human being, a better person? What do you think? Definitely the time management piece for me. Okay. Um, before I was that person, I was maybe five minutes early for a meeting. I'm good, I'm here on time. Uh, now it's 15 minutes when you talk about the why's and things that we have to stay in compliance with. They really hold you to that schedule and you can't get caught slipping. So definitely the time management piece, I even find it at home where I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do this from this time to this time and I'm not gonna go over and I'm gonna be on time for this. And 
the time management piece has definitely gotten better for me since I've been in this career field. So I would say uh, to Sergeant Beharic's point earlier about being being a good wingman, and uh, even some of the, when we're trying to do some like the, the other things like get your master instructor badge, sometimes we have to read books and different things like that. One I read was the outward mindset. And if you wake up each day thinking, what can I do for others? And if everyone else can do the same thing, things just naturally get done. Whether it be at home, from like, hey, what can I do for my wife today? Go and take out the uh, take out the trash, put away the dishes, do a couple of those things to make her life easier. And as she sees that, then maybe she does a couple of things to help me out. And that's really what the wingman concept is about, not just, oh, let me just be a wingman when you're struggling. If I just show up every day and say, what can I do to help you? And that's, I think, the biggest thing in the MTI board. We're, we, we are here to help each other out and making sure that, hey, I've never dealt with whatever situation, how would I handle it? And then the next time I can go, I can get it, I can attack it and move forward to your point like when you're a chief now you can uh, handle no matter what conversation comes up yeah yeah so the outward mindset was that recommended reading for you all or is that just a book you picked up that is that's one that you can earn project hours towards your master instructor badge right and that was a, a very eye-opening book for myself i see you flashing the badge as well i got, I got mine on as well that's a, that's a pretty big deal at atc no doubt um but, but I think, you know, that mindset, we're all called to be servants, right? And the outward mindset, like, so the Arbinger Institute, a lot of great content. Um, you know, that whole aspect of giving and how that actually is good for you. And even when you're carrying stuff, it's really, really powerful. I think that's a great point. Um, anything you want to add as far as being, how to make a better human being? Uh, for me, it just helped me realize that it's okay for me to step out of my comfort zone and that I, that I would be fine, that I'll still be able to succeed. And it's mainly because the people, they're here. You know, at the, from the moment that I showed up, everybody was just from MTIS through TQ process through just being on the line and leading flights and doing different things, people have your back no matter what. If you don't know something, you don't understand a certain drill lesson because you just didn't have experience in teaching it, somebody's there quick to help you out, to show you how it's done, to just kind of have your back. And I think at the end of the day, when you know no matter what rank you hold in the United States military, that you know that you people have your back, I think the outlook on life for you is going to be way more positive, and I think you'll be a better person overall. And it's just definitely just made me a better person overall. Just more caring when it comes to the United States Air Force. I'm more caring when it comes to my family. I'm more caring when it comes to myself. I've learned how to take care of my job. I've learned how to take care of my family. I've learned how to take care of myself. I learned how to balance a lot of different things and still be successful and still keep a clear headed mind and and be able to still be here and, and have great wingmen beside me all the time. Chris Lee. Awesome. Patience. Patience. Um, we have the trains that we come in contact with and, and a lot of the problems that they bring, you have to realize that where they come from is, is not where we came from. It's not how we grew up. Some people show up with nothing or have nothing to go back to and this was their last, their last dish effort. So, dealing with the trainees and their issues that they're bringing, some of them that don't even know how to call their bank and say, hey, if I got paid, you know, I'm trying to figure out if I got paid. Um, they haven't gotten their debit card. Just the small things that we look at, it's like, oh, why didn't you do this before you got here? You have to be patient with them because they literally turned off their life to come here and they didn't have those skills that we now have to get ready to join the Air Force and say, okay, this is what you need to do to not only prep to come here, but moving past this, when you're ready to deploy, these are the, these are the, the, the types of tools that you need 
in order to be successful with all my first You know, Sergeant Thompson, one thing I heard in your reply right there is one thing we talked about as a, as a hallmark. You talk about being caring a lot, right? But that 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 point of empathy, right? So so a lot of times we can say my way or the highway, right? We can say hey, this is the way I do it. You either color between these lines or you're. But but I think just I really really appreciate. And both of your responses saying, hey, I got a heart that I'm, I'm, my job is to take you from wherever you are to a better place. And we talk about, we get everything from 39 year olds who are pilots licensed, lawyers, all these different backgrounds, to people that, as Colonel Gennaro say, says, they burnt, they burnt the ships. This is their last ditch effort. There is nothing, they, they show up here with a garbage bag. Like I've seen people where they, everything they own is in a bag and they want nothing more to be part of this team, right? And, and a lot of times we all we all have baggage of life. We all have things and things we come in with. But but you all play such a critical role in getting them to trust and understand that you're in this environment where you I just need you to push all out, right? And and, and never give up. Like that's really the goal. Um, but you got to be able to relate to that individual. Um, that's the biggest thing. That was what I was gonna. He just uh, made me think about it. In MTIS, we teach the instructors about 21st century. And the big thing with them is learning how to speak their language. So when we grew up, it was, you know, do it because I said so. Right. And for them, it's more of, I need to know why I'm doing it so that I can know my purpose. Like, what role do I play? And it took me a long time to realize just how poorly I was communicating with those airmen, those trainees that I was were leading at that point when I was on the line. So it was, it was eye-opening to see, like, I'm not doing a good job at communicating with this. I need to take a step back and have that patience and just communicate to them the why behind it. Maybe not right then, but definitely on the back end. Yeah. Give them that sense of purpose. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, I know y'all, y'all's time's precious, but I guess final set of questions I'd have for you is, you know, there's probably some Airman First Class that maybe you all pushed in the last couple of years and now is thinking about, hey, I want to come back here and be an MCI. So, so what I'd like to ask you first is, is why did you all join? Why did you join the Air Force? And then the second thing I'd ask is, why'd you stay? I don't want to go to school anymore. You just didn't want to go to school anymore? No, I didn't. I didn't. And I knew that high school, college, college. I didn't want to go to college anymore. I didn't want to go to college. I knew my sisters were in a lot of uh, debt from college, and I didn't. My mom didn't have the you know finances to be able to send me. So I said, you know, I, I didn't want to do that. So it was either going to be work or join the military. And um, my best friend was also uh, in the Air Force as well. He said, let's join the Air Force. So after not being able to join the Marines because I had asthma, I went with the Air Force. You want to be a double dog? <laughs> okay. My grandfather's a Marine. So. No, I, I, I was, I'm glad that I did. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the Marines. But uh, as far as um, why I continue, I think every day uh, that question is answered because every day is something different. Um, there's more to achieve every single day. Um, so we don't always have, and please don't misunderstand that we have these great days Every day as being an MTI is a, is a great day. Everybody has you know those days where they wake up and they're tired. But I will tell you that as far as being an MTI, being an MTI, you get your I get my energy from the trainees. I don't. I, this is by no means. I'm am I old? But at almost 35 years old, we can see why senior airmen and staff sergeants were down here. They were young. We're now in our you know mid 30s, responsible technical sergeants, master sergeants. But the energy levels, I don't know, I get it from the trainees. We would go 110% every single day, and I would go home and, and get, you know, six, seven, eight hours of sleep and wake up and do it all over again. And I think that that is 
that's why I continue because there's always more to achieve and the look on Aaron's face is going to graduate and seeing what they've gone from civilian to Aaron, it, I think that's pluses. I can relate to that. Anytime I have a rough day, I just go get out there and just take it in for a few minutes. And it, yeah, it's like fountain youth. It's good. What about you? I joined to get out of Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to go to college at all. And have I you traveled the world? No, sir, just to get out. <laughs> okay. It went, and at that point in time, I was young, I was 18. I just knew I needed to get away. There was nothing there at home for me. Um, I knew college wasn't really an option because I was very self-aware at that point in time that I wouldn't have survived college just because of the way I was raised. My mom was very old school, so I was sheltered. And to have that freedom right off the bat, it wouldn't have worked. So to come into the Air Force and still have that freedom, but it's a little bit more supervised, you still have rules you have to follow, that was what I needed was that structure, but yet that freedom to be an adult and grow up. Um, that's why I joined. The reason I stayed, it varied. At first it was just because, once again, there's nothing out there for me to go back to right now. Uh, but then as time went, it was for my daughter. I knew I had to have a way of providing for her. And at that point in time, the economy was not promising. So I knew that staying here was the best option. Then it was, you know what? Maybe school is a thing. Maybe I can go to school. So then it was, like, this is free money and it's in school. And now it's simply because I'm, I'm over that hump. And I want to serve for those who can't. Watching those internet come in that get turned around because of whatever reason, I'm serving for them. Um, it's it's heartbreaking, but it's motivating at the same time. It gives me that, that sense of like, man, there are people who are really trying to get in this spot that I'm in, and they can't. So that's who I serve for. You know? The privilege is being able to serve, right? Yes, sir. Wow. That's powerful. I think I, I joined, one, I was kind of at a point where I was done going to school. I had gotten my associates before I joined. I was like, you know what, I'm done going to school. And then I could join, join the Air Force. What does the Air Force tell you to do? Tell you to go to school. And I have two more associate's degrees, and I just finished up my bachelor's because it's, it's there, it's available. You, you got to continue to grow yourself throughout. And I think that's one of the best parts of, of being in the Air Force is being able to continue to grow yourself, whether it be through education, through um, meeting different uh, walks of life and doing all these different things that we talk about the trainees coming from a million different places and getting the opportunity to learn so much from from them and yes they're going to learn a lot from us as MTIs and we're going to teach them a lot of the basic foundational things but some of the life experiences that the trainees have, have brought to me has been you, you, one person uh, training who said you know, my family disowned me when I try to give them their, their phone call they're like I can't I can't make a phone call phone call home and then I gave him a separate phone call the next day and his family forgave him for all the things that came about like those were things that really like kept me motivated throughout this job like just taking that extra 5 10 15 minutes and saying hey I'm gonna get you that phone call even though I don't have to anymore and to see that look on, that, on their face and that appreciation from a trainee who's about to become airman and see that that difference that's what really keeps me motivated uh, I joined mainly because when I got to the States, I really didn't have a direction. And I. Uh, so, when was that? I have to ask. Uh, it was in 1998. I came here when I was 13 years old. 
after I graduated high school, I just didn't, I didn't know anything about what it's like being an 18 year old in the United States of America. I didn't, so I did what I saw my dad and my mom do their whole entire life work. So I went out there and I found a job, but after working Real quick, for, can we start yours? It cut out for some reason. So we're gonna clip it together. Just start right at the beginning of your question of when did you get here? Does that work? Sure. Okay. You can, you can start from the beginning. Oh, I got here in uh, 1998. I was 13 years old, but after I graduated high school, I just didn't know what it's like to be an 18 year old in the United States of America. I didn't know where my life was gonna take me or what I was doing. So I just did what I saw my parents do every single day for most of my life is get up and go to work. So I went out there and I found a job. And after working for about four years, I was just like, there's gotta be something bigger than just me getting up at 0, 430 every morning me coming home at 1900 every night uh which i was like man i'm only 21 22 years old if i have to do like 40 more years of this stuff i'm not gonna last i live right outside of buckley air force base in colorado so i just literally went on airforce.com and filled put my name down and my cell phone number and like 10 minutes later it rang i was like hey this is so and so and after talking to the recruiter i figured it was going to be the best path for me and i signed up for four years and i was like you know what I can do four years, I can do four years. If Air Force sucks, I can do four years. But it ended up being a blessing to me and the reason why I'm still here is because I don't think there's no profession, there's no job, there's no career that gives you the opportunities that the United States Air Force has offered me. The places I have seen, the places I've been, the people that I've met, the support that I have, that's what keeps me here. And it was one of the biggest decisions that I had to make, but it was one of the best decisions that I made. I used to tell my trainees the same thing. For some of you, this is really gonna be a life-changing event. Some of you are gonna do your four to six years. You're gonna get out, you're gonna to go to school. Uh, 30, 40 years from now, Air Force is just gonna be a minor thing that ever happened to you. But for some of you, it's gonna be a life-changing event and an impact, and that's what it was like for me. And that was one of the reasons why I stick around. Like Manson Thompson said, this job is, it is demanding. It is a lot of hours. It is hard on your job. It is a young man's gig for sure. But no matter what, every no matter how tired I was, if I had to turn and burn, meaning I left late at night just to come back at 04.30, in the morning, as soon as that Reveille hit 05.45, you bust through those doors, no matter how tired you are, you're just like a machine. It just turns on. And it, it turns just turns on. on. It's weird. It and turns on. It's crazy. I'm like, it's almost like we're bipolar, but like we're yes. that good bipolar. Yeah. You know, like we'll be sitting here having a good time. <laughs> Sitting having a good time, and then all of a sudden, trainees over here doing something they're not supposed to. We need to make corrections. Like we're just all over it. Definitely showed that uh, helped me pay attention to detail and all these other things. Awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, your security forces. What career field were you? I'm actually finance, sir. Finance. Okay. So, I'm medical administration. Oreo. I was security forces, and we trained in education and training. Okay. So education and training. So, so, what? How do you think that this experience will help you be? better when you when you go back out to your to your career fields. So as as finance, being the guy who's at the desk all the time and we have a couple of security forces members here, when we send an email out saying, hey, we, we need you to do your trial voucher, we need you to do whatever the case is, and being someone who's always at the desk, we assume that they're gonna get their email. Now being as an MTI, it's very hard to check your email because you're always on the go, this, that, and the other. Now it's more when I go back, because I go back in February, um, how do I reach out a different way. How do I get a hold of their supervision to let them know because they might be on the gate, they might be on patrol, they might be on 80 other different things. How can I contact this person so it doesn't negatively affect them down the road? 
you know how many people are out there listening to this and say, I want that guy working on voucher? <laughs> like, I want that guy reaching out to me and figuring out, like, I mean, that, that, that's, that part for just take care of people, that's, that, that's exactly what you guys have here, right? And, that, and that's, that's really that, that change, you're changing your, your focus, you're changing the lens that you're looking through. Because as an A1C, a staff sergeant, you're like, why have they not responded in three days to my email? Well, they probably only had 15 minutes to look at a computer in the week, maybe in the month, whatever the case is. So changing that, that perspective. Yeah, and there's, all, there's so many silos out there in the Air Force too, and I think sometimes even just reaching out and providing perspective to someone else so they can share with their peer group a lot of time and just understand it, because you know, left and right, people are jobbing it in the Air Force. I know a lot of times in communities, people are saying like, oh yeah, those guys have got it easy, those guys. I mean, there ain't a lot of places in the Air Force where people are kicking their feet up, like there's just not. So I think like, especially as senior NCOs, that would be a superpower to be able to reach out and just be able to connect, just listen and have a conversation and then share. What, what, about, what about you? How's it gonna make you better when you get back? So I would say, in undergrad I studied or, organizational communication. And it's funny because as much as I learned, nothing taught me as much as being here. We talk about drill and we get down to root cause and corrective action of why they may have had this discrepancy in a, in a drill movement. When you translate that back into the operational world or any organization, it's like, well, why do we have this problem? What's the root cause? And now what's the corrective action? So something as little as teaching drill, it's like, you know, I could apply this when I go back to my work center. And I think problems would just be so much easier to solve versus just sitting at a table and going back and forth. So I think just providing that perspective, and it was actually a wingman who told me about it. He's like, this is what I've been doing, and it's working out. It's like, you know, when I get back, I'm gonna try that. Instead of looking at it from the it's your fault type thing. Right. What's the problem? What's the root cause here? And now how are we gonna correct it? So, I guarantee there's a commander out there right now that wants to hire you as a superintendent. Like just that attitude. Anything else you wanna add? Oh, I agree with her all the way. It's just communication. Uh, not only here, you have to communicate not only with the people that you're on a flight with across the hall, upstairs, downstairs, leadership, just across the squadrons. Uh, things are changing all the time. You gotta definitely adapt and learn how to deal with changes quickly because the regs here change a lot because just BMT is always constantly changing, whether it's COVID, when we went from maybe used to OCPs, things like that. And it's just communication piece of it makes this job a lot easier for I think it's just something that all of us have pretty well with the communication piece that we're, when I get back to the curriculum, I know that's one thing that I have that I can at least have one day to stay Yeah. I think you'll see a lot of times failure can be, can be, LT, we still good out there? Uh, it stopped recording, and I think it's having to do with how long we went, but. Okay, that's, that's fine. We'll, we'll use, I think we'll probably do the podcast anyway versus it, but yep. we can chop it up. Yep. Anything else you want to you wanna add on? <coughs> So here's, here's kind of what I, first off, thank, thank, thank you all. Thank you all for what you do, everything. Thank you so much for your service. Uh, thank you so much for reluctantly wanting to come down here, but still doing it, right? Like, thank you so much for even challenging yourself early on. Thank you much for staying on the team. Uh, please extend a, a, a thank you to your family for, I mean, they serve alongside you. I know in this duty right here, like it is a full team effort to be able to do this and, and grow and produce airmen. Um, but, but this is what I would, I would say is, is a message. I, I hope that everybody has kind of taken and realized like the growth of you as leaders and how you would be better going back to your to your communities going back there, right? That's something I think a lot of times that people people don't know necessarily what goes on behind the scenes down here. And I appreciate you just sharing as, as individuals what your experiences are. Every single one of you, you've got a great heart. You understand what leadership is about. You understand that you got to lead yourself first. And you, you, 
you've, you've talked about that a lot today. Um, but the biggest thing I would say is, in order to make airmen of character, I gotta have leaders of character. And that's what you all are, right? That's why we're gonna continue to be the greatest Air Force on the planet, because we have you setting the bar, continuing to raise the standard um, and setting the pace. So I just thank you for doing that. And for anybody that's out there, um, I hope that you look at this as an example of, of this is what this experience will do for you. It won't be easy um, by any means, but it will be something that will, that will move you forward. And, and the, the special thing about it is to be part of this team to do something rare, right? To do something rare. You know this for a fact, and check this out. Most people that, that, that as a command chief, I'm the second time as a command chief, they probably won't ever remember my name, right? But nobody ever forgets what? Their MTI. Their MTI. Nobody ever, ever forgets who their MTI was. You're gonna have fingerprints and an example on their life, not just in their time as an airman, but for lifelong. And I guarantee you all those conversations, and, I, and, and especially, you know, your hats are sitting over here to the left. The time they always remember you is when you speak life and talking about it, right? It's not just what goes on in the drill pad, it's when you share life lessons. And I think we just gotta continue to lean in and continue to lean in and, and, and pour into the next generation. So I appreciate y'all doing that. Thanks for taking time with us today. Thanks for being the Warhawks you are. And, and thanks for you for our Air Force. Yes. All right, out here. Tons of goodness here from Chief Blazer and his dedicated Warhawk wingman who trained to win every single day. Really great perspective from the Gateway Wing team and their unrivaled professionalism ensure that we continue to deliver exceptional airmen of character who power the world's greatest Air Force. Thank you to Chief Blazer and all the military instructors at BMT who make this mission happen every day. It's so inspiring to watch BMT graduation every week. By the way, you can catch that on Thursdays uh, on the USAF Basic Military Training Facebook page, uh, as well as uh, for the time being during COVID-19, Kiesler graduations as well happen on Fridays. So more to come. Again, episode 34 of the pod is going to talk about the military training leaders, so we hope that you'll take time if you're interested in that development especially. So as a reminder, you can follow AETC and the AETC command team on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as catch up on all the latest news at www.aetc.af.mil. For our entire AETC public affairs team, I'm Dan Hawkins. So long. We'll talk to you next time on The Air Force Starts Here.